Do you know, are you sure we're going the right way? I've never been lost in my life. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Screen 101. I'm Brennan Klein. And I'm Shannon Chalakian. And today we watched The Descendants, starring George Clooney from Return of the Killer Tomatoes, Judy Greer from Cursed, Matt Lillard from Scream, and Shannon's uncle. Yeah, you remembered. I, I was going to say that, but you, you got it for me. Oh, it's that, true. That's so cute. He has a very small part, and we actually watched The Descent. I lied, but I just wanted to say that list because that was fun. Yes, indeed. That That's and what qualifies as a joke in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and only those who love him will laugh thank you i just i love taking a big star and attributing them their smallest movie of course it's my favorite thing that's if whenever i meet a star i, I want to meet them and just be like i loved you in deb's you know or yeah something or, no i just like well because everyone's like oh uh tom cruise from the minority report but it's like okay obviously people know him from the big movies but i want to be like I just like saying Brad Pitt from Cutting Class and just like pretending that that's a big movie. Right. Tom Cruise from Far and Away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, um, we watched The Descent. I we lied. Uh, we're, we're not going to get any weepy coma drama today. Right. But fun, fun fact. The Descent was originally called Crawl Space. Which is the name of a mid-80s slasher starring Klaus Kinski. So I'm glad they didn't mix those two up. Indeed. Anyway, uh, let's do our 10-word reviews before we move on into things. Sounds like a good idea to me. Finding Dory. Whoever they cast as baby dory deserves an oscar 100 percent agreed i love that movie it's so cute. cute well i don't love it it's good the movie yeah as far as the sequel went like it was fine yeah i liked it a lot yeah and here are my 10 reviews mujeres al borde de un ataque de nervios which means women on the verge of a nervous breakdown uh a marvelous feminist first slash anti-gaspacho propaganda and law of desire Antonio Banderas makes out with a dude. I can't complain. And Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, a deliriously kinky love story. Shallow for a motivar, but sweet. Yeah, folks, uh, a little insight into our living room. Um, Brennan and Sergio have been, like, binging Almodovar. Pedro Almodovar. Almodovar movies, um, like they're studying it for a class. So... Sergio actually was. He had to watch one of them for a class, and we're just watching the rest now. <laughs> anyway, it's great, and I haven't watched one yet, but I am going to sneak in and watch one with them eventually. Yeah, I'm going to make you watch Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. That one's my favorite. Perfect. Anyway, uh, this is not the Pedro mode of our podcast. Let's get on into The Descent with our discussion, which, as usual, has spoilers. And our discussion always starts with Brennan reading the plot, so Brennan, take it away. On an annual extreme outdoor adventure... Six women meet in a remote part of the Appalachians to explore a cave hidden deep in the woods. Far below the surface of the earth, disaster strikes when a rockfall blocks their exit and there's no way out. The women push on, praying for another exit, but there is something else lurking under the earth. The friends are now prey, forced to unleash their most primal instincts in an all-out war against an unspeakable horror. One that attacks without warning, again. And again and again. Okay, I love the setup of this movie. 
Oh, absolutely. Like just just the idea that like there's like what what was it like eight, eight women and six women six women and every summer they decide to get together to do extreme sports like it's awesome. It's like it's effortlessly so cool. feminist. Yeah, it's so cool. It's like I want to be them, which we'll talk about in a minute. But first, we have to explain. We rate scariness <laughs> one to five screams, campiness one to five perms, gore one to five severed limbs, and quality one to five unlucky stars. I know I have it memorized, but I kind of freaked out a little bit, which is why I had that issue there. Yeah, you're just still. It's the residual stress from the descent. Oh yeah, it, honestly though, I had to like cocoon myself, which we'll talk about that too. I will if I remember. I will post a picture. Okay, on good. Twitter. Good, perfect. Um. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, the mo- the premise of the movie is awesome. Um, I want a group of friends that are all women who just do badass things that we can, like, get together in this every summer and just, like, catch up. Also, they're multinational. Like, I think it's, like, there's, like, two who are, like, Russian and two that are British. And then there's oh, three that are British. And then who there's... Who do you think's Russian? The sisters. Really? Yeah. I got... I did not get that. Okay. Well, I think they're Russian. Um... And then, or like some sort of Yugoslavic something. Um, And then there's there's an American um, in there as well. So, hold on. They got something. Are you saying Juno was American? Yeah, wasn't she? I don't think so. I think she was. She was. She sounded American occasionally. Well, the actress is Filipina, Spanish, German, and English. So she's got a lot going on. She's she's not Asian at all. No. Oh, she looked Asian. She's Natalie. Her name is Natalie Mendoza. Wow. I'm not sure Shannon's great at telling races apart. I'm not. Which is probably you're 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 colorblind, which is like <laughs> cool. <laughs> that's some that's some deep discussion to get into. Okay, one of the ladies you're talking about was Swedish. Okay, there we go. That's so you're right. She's not British, so I'm wrong, and you're wrong, and nobody's good. Nobody's no one's right. right. Okay. Um. Let's start with our because we're gonna talk about the movie like a lot. I can tell, mm-hmm. but let's start with scariness. So why don't you go ahead? What what did you rate scariness? Okay, uh, the descent. Well, because this this is the um, entry point into our like kind of closing chapter of the first season of Scream One Hundred and One, where I'm trying to freak out Shannon as hard yeah, as I can. That's how you say goodbye to a friend, folks. <laughs> let's just freak Shannon out. Well, this is the whole reason I started the podcast. That's I true. was like, what are the scariest things that I haven't shown you yet? Yes. So for me. Um, this is one of the scariest movies that I've ever seen. I'm rating it five out of five screams. I really, really am impacted by this movie because the scares are twofold because it's um, the first 45 minutes. There's no, I mean, there's like creepy crawly, crawly monsters that attack later, but for the first 45 minutes, it's just claustrophobic trapped underground, awful, awfulness yeah like they're getting lost and and they like lose part of their gear yeah and they have limited resources like it's very survival um, oriented yeah it's survival horror and it's just tense as all hell it's like my spine is a piano string and then the monsters attack and some people think that the movie could have done better without monsters and maybe i'll bring that question up later but i think the monsters are awesome and they are really well designed and they're all practical. There's no CGI, um, at least in the creation of the monsters. I think a little of the blood is CGI, but what do I know? Um, well, but once the monsters show up, it just becomes this high octane fight to the finish. Like it adds this extra um, layer on top of the awful, hor- like dark claustrophobic horror we've already had. 
and it's just like this perfect like crescendo of just terrible terrible things yeah and there's another layer where the um main character uh also goes through the trauma of losing her family in a car accident at yeah the, her, her at husband last, and her daughter at the last retreat that they had had um so this is like the first so you've got like the layer of like is the is the main character going to be okay with this it's the first time that they've been together since that that incident mm-hmm. um and that whole scenario and you're also wondering if she's mentally all there if part of this was like a psychological thing yeah there are some people who think that the monsters aren't real and they're all in her head which i disagree with because it's it's not really the monsters aren't depicted from her perspective at any right. point um but oh what what was i saying what were you saying it was just adding another layer. Oh yeah, um, the oh yeah, it was it was very Babadooky. Like it's yeah. just, it's a movie about a woman who's going through this really heavy grieving period. And there's a thesis to it. I mean, yeah, and it's absolutely. very it's very early in the movie, and it's actually it's overt. It's it's a, a line that one of one character says, and essentially what happens is the main character Sarah is caught in a crawl space which is what the movie was going to be called. Mm-hmm. Um, and they notice, and she's like hyperventilating and freaking out because she's stuck because she had the ropes bag in this crawl space and no one else did. So so she got stuck. And um, her friend crawls back into the crawl space so that she can be close to her and says, you've already been through the worst thing you can ever, ever be through and you survived and you're still here, you know? And so that really plays a major role in the rest of the movie when all this crazy stuff happens yeah absolutely yeah and she becomes this like feral monster at the end and it's just really dark and like that kind of happens with the babadook but Mm -hmm. it doesn't go all the way this movie goes all the way yeah um there is i will say uh we're spoiling it so if you haven't seen it that sucks but i'm gonna give you advice for how to watch it for the first time Mm -hmm. um or or if you're showing this to anyone if you want to watch it again or whatever you need to watch the original british ending which is the unrated cut because is that what we watched yes it is okay because what happens is this is where it gets real spoilersy and i'm just just warning you all so if you had just heard that part go home take that home with you have a good time um basically in the ending of this movie she escapes the cave like drives out sees like the a weird like dream of her dead friend and then it cuts to her in the cave she imagined all this because she's been having dreams this whole time Mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons because i usually hate dream sequences in horror movies but these dream sequences are very intentional and they tie into the theme because she's kind of going crazy right um so you realize that that's just another dream sequence and she's still in the cave and she imagines that she's with her daughter like over a birthday cake with glowing candles, but she's really just staring at her torch while like monsters kind of descend on her. And it's a really dark ending that's really true to that character. In the American cut, it ends after she escapes and sees like the ghost of her friend in the car and then it just ends. Mm. And it's literally they cut out like 30 seconds and it changes the entire movie. That's true. Never watch the American cut. And I just watched it. So maybe like I'll change my mind later, but I didn't like the the idea of the cutback unless see, I only would like the idea of the cutback if she went back for Juno. Like that's the only reason I think the cutback did anything for me. Um, Because yeah. Okay. So it finishes the whole like grieving daughter 
weird premonitions thing, like weird hearing daughter voices thing. Uh-huh. Um, but it, that just wasn't strong enough for me in the first place. What? To, yeah, okay. it wasn't. I, it, I mean, I guess it was like just too much going on where you got like the going psycho plus the the claustrophobia plus the, the demon things. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't know. Okay, so it's funny because last week, or well, when we watched Ghostbusters with Dave, uh-huh. Dave was like, when I started watching, you guys like reviewed the plot more and recently you stopped doing that and i was like well that's you know because we're watching movies that like we just want to cut to the chase etc this is not a movie you want to cut to the chase so. yeah this movie we actually have had to describe the plot yeah like, we had ghostbusters, to like, talk about it everyone knows ghostbusters yeah. we don't need to worry about people not knowing about slimer and the stay right. off marshmallow man and then for like a slasher it's like okay people die what's the story there's exactly. nothing to talk this about this is involved this is yeah that means like that's one of the things that i love about this movie is that it's nonstop high octane horror, but there is a really emotional human story packed into pretty much every frame of it. Like mm-hmm. while people are fighting the monsters, while this is happening, because it doesn't stop. Um, there's dropped lines. There's a lot of things just around the edges. A lot of actions that are really small but really vital. And a lot of character development that happens within single lines of dialogue. Yes, and like, within actions. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, oh, you find out that someone's a medical student is going to be a doctor. Oh, that comes in handy later. Oh, someone says, you know, uh, just little things about well, who, who there, they are in the There's past. a whole subplot about um, her friend Juno, who she eventually leaves for dead in the cave. Um, Juno was cheating on, or Juno was the other woman. Her husband was sleeping with Juno. And that is never an explicit never. thing that is said. I mean, you could tell but, from, the, from the first moment. Uh, we oh, talked yeah. about that. But the thing, I, the, I like this movie because it trusts the intelligence of its audience. Because you yeah. have to be paying attention. There are a lot of things that are left unsaid that are really, really clear if you just look at them. Mm-hmm. Did you rate it anything for campiness? I, I gave it a zero. Did you? Wait, give it I don't think you officially said your scariness score. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. Uh, four out of five. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was definitely very scary. Uh, and it makes me want to like be, become better at rock climbing. Oh yeah, that's because Shannon really digs rock climbing, and I totally didn't. That didn't factor in when I was picking this movie, but I realized like, oh, is it, this is only rock climbing horror. Yeah, pretty much. It was like people they were using the wrong equipment, and they were like oh, not doing things correctly. And so I guess I, I guess I like lost part of the suspension suspension of disbelief just because I know some of that stuff. Uh, it's, it sucks. I'm sorry, but it was still great. Okay, so, yeah. cool. Um, actually, th- this movie frightens me so much that i always have to watch the blooper reel afterwards yeah to like decompress it was great also remind myself that everyone's still alive and happy and having a good time okay so it was scary enough that we like we had paused the movie to use the restroom because this happens like three or four times because this is brennan yeah that's my life i'm sorry everyone. that's okay and there's a knock at the door and <laughs> i open it and it's the package that i've been expecting all day and i was like oh perfect and then i open the package and what I had ordered was a new sleeping bag because I wanted a smaller sleeping bag. And I was like, this is going to come in handy right now. And I cocooned myself in this new sleeping bag because I was, I just felt I needed to feel comforted. Yeah, it was really funny. So anyway. Yeah. And let's just skip past campiness. Yeah. You gave it a zero. No I gave it a one because that's just the lowest I can give. Okay. Yeah. Um, no. I had fun watching the girls interact in the first scene when they're like having a good time. Right. But it's not a campy Otherwise, movie Otherwise, yeah. No gore mm. shannon what's your gore score i'm giving it a four 
um i think it was really great i think it also like it crosses the line of like what's humane and what's no longer humane which is a really interesting thing to watch as far as like reaching that point where you lose your humanity and just go into pure survival mode and all the effects are great they use the, they use a um the climbing pick um oh, yeah. as a weapon which is definitely in my top five favorite slasher weapons now like <laughs> awesome although this is like a monster monster movie i don't know what well, horror horror like improvised weaponry weapon yeah exactly that's what i want um plus there was like this and well, okay this is not related but this is there's this whole like history backline which is really cool too with um oh yeah yeah i just thought that was really interesting um they discovered like the they discovered like the bodies of old um r- cave miners d- or spelunkers and um and their gear which is yeah. like a hundred years old yeah so it's a li- it's a mini history lesson you're right yeah yeah uh not related to gore but whatever and then they just like they just like destroy each other and um one of my favorite characters get, gets killed with an ice pick through the neck yeah it's dark it, yeah and then like the first kill is the car crash scene where copper pipe goes just goes straight through the glass and shoots through through bu- the the faces of the child and the the father yeah you you only see the father right but it happens to the child right also. exactly um and that is just like very abrupt so yeah I've, yeah that's like okay first of all shannon was having this like the biggest debate of this movie is is it galvanized pipe or copper pipe because shannon was arguing about that with herself for like five minutes whatever um my first words were home depot brennan i know you're a monster anyway <laughs> Four out of you. You've evolved specifically for the purpose of being handy. Yep. Um, I also give it four out of five severed limbs. Like there's, I don't know why I can't escape the feeling that some of the blood was digitized, um, mm. but it was only in very very small doses in very very, in scenes where a lot's already happening. Yeah. So that doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But every now and then I was like, oh, that doesn't look super real. But everything else, most of this movie is practical. Oh yeah. Um, it's gruesome there's a bone sticking out when a lady breaks her leg mm-hmm. um and there's oh god um intimate gore is what really gets me like i i always say m- the gore scene that impacts me the most is the hangnail scene in black swan yeah and no. that's Ooh. not even a horror movie necessarily it kind of yeah. is well i mean it's a psychological horror which is not like yeah yeah um, you can make the argument for it, yeah. but it's that kind of intimate gore where it's something that could actually happen to you. Yeah. Like hands and feet. And but yeah, what, what I'm leading up to is there's a scene where, um, our main character, Sarah played by Shauna McDonald, uh, a rope just slices through her hands and it just starts gushing blood. I don't think it's Sarah. I think it was, um, a Swedish girl. Oh, sometimes I couldn't tell them apart. Uh, me so. either. Someone starts gushing blood and yeah. it is not good. Yeah, right in her palm, yeah. which is awful. Um, yeah, but gore was great. It was really great. Okay, quality. I think with the amount of talk that we're giving this, you can obviously tell it's going to be a very high score. I'm giving this a five. Yes. Super Queen good. Slay. I know. It's not like a, it's a movie that I would watch all the time, like Final Girls. Like I could watch Final Girls well, over, that, and over, that, over and over and over and over. It's completely movie. different. Like, I know, it's I know. fun. I, know. I mean, this movie's fun, but it's... Ugh. I know, but if I was going to, like, I honestly, I want to call up everyone at the Rockwell and be like, hey, y'all, come over. Let's watch The Descent <laughs> so they can have the same similar problems that I have. Um, but yeah, that was crazy. 
It was so good. I'm I'm so glad. Like a lot of the movies that I like, I feel like you have a um, paler reaction to. So I'm really glad that this one hit you the mm-hmm. same way it does for mm-hmm. me, or at least in a similar way. Oh yeah, it's great. Because I'm also giving it a five out of five. Woo. It's it's not a 100% perfect movie, right? But it's 100% scary, and I just really love everything about it. Um, I think my biggest uh, flaw for the movie is that I I can't always tell the ladies apart. And certain uh, members of the group are more well-developed than other ones. Like, there are a couple that's like, I don't really understand your personality. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, one or two of them. Um, But other than that, it's... Like, it would be a great story if there weren't any monsters in it. If there wasn't this uh, kind of super... Not supernatural, but like above the normal right horror element it would still be a great story because it's about this woman going through her grief and these friends that are trapped underground mm-hmm. and that's the mark of a good horror film that it is telling a story and i really truly believe that it's a good story that's valuable i agree um there's some cool moments where the score just kind of abruptly swerves into john carpenter's yeah it was like boom boom which is always good for me um everything shot in like with real like source light um like it was lit with the materials that they were using the characters were using so it was lit with lamps it was lit with fluorescent sticks it was lit with torches it wasn't lit with uh actual key lights or anything yeah film lights which is always interesting it's not it doesn't always work like they used it in the revenant that kind of style where they only use natural light or whatever which i mean obviously that's a well shot movie but whatever um i it works really well it creates this darkness sense of claustrophobia like he's not afraid to let darkness engulf the frame there are moments where the movie goes pitch black for a couple seconds at a time kind of like um Wes Craven did that in The Serpent and the Rainbow yeah. when Bill Pullman gets buried alive. Yeah. And I think if it's used judiciously, that element can be really, really powerful like yeah. it is here. And I think one of the interesting things about the movie is that from the very... Usually what happens is like horror movies will have an opening scene just like any other movie and then it becomes a horror movie, right? Yeah. From the get-go, even in a scenario where they're having fun, so even like the first scene that we see, it's, it's three of the women... And they're doing white, white, white water, water rafting, river rafting. It's quite a, a, a thing to say. Uh-huh. Um, but the, it was shot like it's a horror scene. It was shot like they were in high tension, like, yeah, you know, their lives were on the line sort of thing, even though you could obviously tell that they were having fun, you know. So I think from the get go with the camera work and with the lighting and things like that, they carried that through. So it was mm-hmm. awesome. So let's let's move on to champion dialogue. And wait, I want to tell you one thing real quick. OK. This entire movie mm-hmm. was created on a set inside a building. They never went to a single cave. It's all fake. And it's the realest looking cave set I've ever seen. Yeah. It's stunning. And I just wanted to put that on the table. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Yeah. Champion dialogue. Champion dialogue. You say yours first because I, I have a background for mine. Okay. Um, mine comes early on before anything really terrifying has happened. So we get some shock sequences that are more mundane. Um, this happens right after, uh, Sarah is scared by a flock of bats that come out of this alcove in the cave. And Holly, who's kind of like the intrepid explorer, who's a little too, uh, gung ho for her own good. She's batty. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) But she's recording the, or she's taking pictures of the bats. And this is what she says. One bat. 
And I mean, my my Jim Henson love is showing yes. because it's the Count from Sesame Street. But I love that character, and I love that that reference is in this movie. So that's my reasoning. Yeah, it's great. Okay, so mine is especially funny to me because there used to be this game that my sister had on that she she had on her computer. And um, well, let me give the background for the story. So uh, my line. Well, you're giving your background for the background. No, I'm just I'm gonna, I'm gonna introduce the line okay, and then okay. I'm gonna give the, oh, the okay. story. So my line that I picked is from um, this character Beth, and she like they like all arrive at the cave and they're like kind of looking down on it, right? And Beth says this. I'm an English teacher, not fucking Tomb Raider. It's this huge gaping maw. Yeah, it's just it just looks like a black hole, and then. I think, okay, I really connected with that line because um, my older sister uh, had this um, game on her computer, which was Tomb Raider, right? And the and it's a classic game, like classic Tomb Raider. Um, probably like, I think it was like w- like number one game of the year or something like that. Yeah, Tomb Ra- it's Tomb Raider. Well, yeah. Um, and Tomb Raider and Frogger, the two biggest games in the world. Pretty much. And I, I would try to play it. And when you start off, they give you like a gun with six bullets and two flares and that's it and when you start they start you off in a cave with a tiger (laughs) okay so so the fact that 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 beth said that reminded me of this game and how i couldn't even get past the opening start of the game because i could never get out of the freaking cave and that's glorious that's the entire movie essentially is just like me reminding myself that i would not survive because I failed at playing Tomb Raider. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. That's cute. I yeah. like it. Speaking of Beth, she's my favorite character because she is like the best, best friend you could ever have. She's down for anything. She'll go with you on your trips. She'll be comforting. She reminds other friends not to be dicks. Mm-hmm. Um, other uh, mistress friends right? who are awful people. Yeah, but she just like keeps everyone in check and like makes sure that everyone is like accommodating to the trauma that's been going on but she also enables her friend to get out of her comfort zone and she's also the friend who like when when sarah has a psychic break and and is running through the hospital like she's the one that holds her and comforts her and just really like centers her and then when she gets stuck in the crawl space beth is also the one who comes to her aid and that is true and, that's a good scene makes a joke and gets her out i mean it's like true friend like i feel i have that kind of friend and uh brennan would definitely not be the one to call crawl into the crawl space with me because he is very smart and wouldn't do that yeah i wouldn't have come on your stupid vacation with right, you exactly but i mean i love you for that <laughs> i do but i do have you know there are other friends who are stupid enough to do those things for me That's so nice. yeah i'm glad you have that i know are, aren't you glad that i'm i'm realistic about our friendship too yeah sure <laughs> okay, I, i'll help you if you were like here yeah of course if we were just like making pasta and you got scared. Yeah. Let's, let's make a fort and I'll get stuck in the fort. Okay. You can <laughs> pull me out. I can. Okay. Who's your favorite character? Uh, yeah. I, I think it's interesting that that's your favorite character because that's like so the type of person that you're drawn to. Um, but my favorite character is Sarah. I just really like... Um, she's she has, so great. Yeah. She has a very final girl arc where she's like kind of this broken, shattered person who becomes like this feral badass. And I like that. Um, I have one complaint... She's one of those horror movie characters that they wake up in a hospital 
and they look around and immediately rip out all their IVs and start walking around, which, like, I guess if you wake up and you're disoriented, that can happen. But if I woke up in a hospital bed, I know that I'm in a hospital. I can recognize a hospital setting. I'm not going to rip out the things that might be keeping me alive. I'm not a moron. (laughs) I will trust Western medicine that they're taking care of me, and I'll press the button that calls a nurse because we're living in the 21st century, goddammit. Don't rip out stuff out of your veins. Uh, This happens all the time. I know. I also want to say with Sarah and with Juno, um there's all of a sudden in my life it's like my eyes have been opened there's nothing hotter than someone covered in blood holding a giant ice pick oh yeah they're so sexy about to like take on the world like they're they're ripped and they're covered in blood and there's like they don't even care they're just like are going for it i do think it's really funny that there is a scene where she she puts her thumbs in one of the crazy thing's eyes and just like essentially blenders their brain with her fingers and then she pulls her hand out and actually wipes off her hand which is so funny to me considering the fact that she is literally drenched head to toe in blood yeah she's yeah yeah (laughs) sorry anyway no that's good yeah uh favorite scene i think we're you're kind of finding a good segue into that i am actually um so talking about being covered head to toe in blood that was not an exaggeration there actually is a moment where she's running through the cave okay in this movie people run in the caves which is the dumbest thing to do because you never know when it's going to drop out literally that's like that literally happens yeah that's why people die is that they just like drop out um so she's running in the cave and she falls and she's she's holding a torch this is a really well choreographed scene oh it's so beautiful because she's holding a torch and the way that she falls the torch falls out of her hand but falls onto a rock and she falls into this pool right and for the rest for the most of the movie it's been like dirty water right Uh but then you realize that this pool is completely blood the entire thing completely blood and she goes under for a while and you're worried that she's drowned and then all of a sudden, just like a hippo, she just like comes up <laughs> really slow. And then she like comes out of the water. And I think this is the defining moment where like Predator has like kicked in. Yeah, you know? she she wiggles her ears and then she attacks. Literally, because she like pops out of the water, but still very softly because she knows that they can hear her. And then she like walks up out and she grabs her pickaxe and her and her torch. And that's when like I was saying super hot because she's just like standing there covered <laughs> head to toe with the torch in one hand and the pickaxe high in the other. And it is like, I want a poster of it. It is so cool. Yeah. There, and there are some really brilliant shots in this movie. It's a very well-directed movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that shot's one of my favorites. There's a shot in that same scene where she's reaching for the torch on this r- rocky Island outcropping and another monster comes. So she just freezes and it like steps onto the rock and it puts its foot on her head thinking it's another rock. Because they can't see. Right. And so she's just like silent as the grave. And it's like this weird kind of like Lion King type shot where it's just like very proud and elegant. And and she doesn't even move her eyes. Like she's just like so confident in her, in what she's doing right then. Absolutely. amazing. such a good movie. I know. It's so great. Uh, But my favorite scene is basically the first time that the monsters attack our, our lovely heroes. Um, one of the people has a camcorder and they have an infrared mode. And I 
think it's Juno operating the camera. She's looking around at everyone, just making sure everyone's okay. And they're all talking like, what the hell's happening? Uh, something scary happened, but we're not sure what. And she just whips to the right to look at her friend, and there's a monster just standing behind her, just lurking. And then it leaps, and it's just, oh, that part, like, I almost fell off my bed the first time I watched the movie. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, there was a really underrated kill, which I just want to uh, briefly touch on. It's not even really a kill. Um, Sarah wakes up in the middle of the night, and she goes to a w- to the window. And when she's at the window, all of a sudden, a copper pipe comes through the window and through her, her brain just like immediately and then you realize that she's doing the dreaming thing that she's done uh-huh but it was like so well done because no one expected it was probably one of the best jump scares absolutely like there are um there one of the reasons i'm okay with the dream sequences here is that they're so well done there's another That's dream true. sequence where she's running down the hospital hallway and the lights are turning off and it's that's a very nightmare on Elm street scene um but it's just so visceral and dark and it does tie in with the rest of the movie and there's a reason for them and that's why they're not like cheap and gross like most horror movie dream sequences mm-hmm. i agree all right any last words on the descent before we move on to the game let's do the game all right all right the game that i prepared for us today is called women in murder because this is a very female-centric film and I wanted to continue that theme. So what's going to happen is I have three films that we have watched previously on Scream 101. Okay. That have featured female killers. Okay. I'm going to list a couple of their murders. And you're going to have to tell me what movie this character came from. Okay. Okay. And like I'll give you an opportunity to guess after each murder. Because I have a couple that I'll tell you on this list. Okay. All right. So our very first one, the first murder is axe a girl right in the face. Um, is it Mrs. Voorhees? Yes, it's Mrs. Yay. Voorhees from Friday the 13th. Good job. Yay. All right, so that's one out of three. Our second one, uh, the first kill, decapitated a boy. Decapitated a boy. Hmm. I have to go back through all of the movies that we've seen this past year it's been a lot at this point i know female female killers because like mrs Voorhees is like so obvious she's like the iconic yeah so obvious and then well there's troll too but (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't count shout out to credence Clearwater revival yeah um I don't know. I can't think of any of the movies we've seen. Where's that picture of all the movies that you got? Let me give you the second one. Okay. Drowned a boy. Okay. I'm thinking it's a camp movie. Is it... Oh, is it... Give me a T. No. Okay. Hmm. Are we ready for number three? Yeah. Stabbed a girl in the back in the shower. So it's definitely a camp movie. Yeah, people only shower at camp. Well, they only get stabbed in shower. Well, I guess they get stabbed in showers everywhere. In motels. That's true. Um, I don't know. Do we have a list of the movies we've watched? No, okay. Let me just give you this next one. Okay. Traps a boy in a bathroom stall with a beehive. 
Okay, so... I totally thought that was... Oh, oh, Sleepaway Camp. Yes, Sleepaway okay, Camp. It was, okay, it was a camp movie. Yes. I, got mix, I was mixing up Cheerleader Camp and Sleepaway Camp. Yes, it's Angela in Sleepaway Camp. Right, yes. All right, and our third and final. You, you got it. I did. Um, strangled a girl with a telephone cord. Is this Give Me a T? It is, yes. and it's Give Me a C because it's Corey That's from right, Cheerleader not Tori. Camp. Corey. Yay, Give Me a C. I got it right. You did. Good job. Okay. <laughs> your you, your heart was in the right place. I tried. I'd also like to give a shout out to Amelia Davis in The Babadook, who's not really a killer, so I couldn't include her, but she's hardcore. Yeah. And also a very mild shout out to Melissa's mom from Sweet 16, because who cares about her? But she was a woman who did stuff that we watched. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of our game. Good job. So, Shannon, what's your recommendation for people who agreed with you about The Descent? And for once, you agreed with me, so I'm super happy about that's that. That's true. Um, so, I'm going to recommend a movie that Brennan actually really likes a lot as well. Um, the Ruins. The Ruins. The Ruins. Which is also kind of like a above normal, is what you said earlier. Above normal um, horror movie involving a giant pit <laughs> essentially yeah there is a pit in there yeah so fun stuff yeah there are a lot of parallels um they both came out in the mid-2000s they weren't torture porn movies but they were very gory mm -hmm. and they feature broken legs and people trapped in like really awful situations out in the wilderness yeah and layers of horror and you know things yeah like absolutely um the ruins the book is my favorite book of all time the Ruins the Movie is a decent movie, mm -hmm. but it's it's pretty good for what it is. And Sean Ashmore is in it, and he's my favorite person. I have a second recommendation after you do yours. Okay. All right, sure. Uh, my recommendation, I'm cheating a little bit because it's not a horror movie, but it's maybe one of the best movies of the past decade, and it's Mad Max Fury Road. Good choice. Because that is another movie that's nonstop action, 100% high octane throughout the entire time, but it still manages to fit characters and a history of this world around the edges of what's happening. And has a lot of female characters. Yeah, that was another reason that I chose it. It's a very feminist film. There's a lot of very powerful women, and Charlize Theron is a badass. Yay. My other recommendation Okay. Um, is, you're going to have to help me with this one. Is it um, Unbound or Bound or Giant Scissors? Inside. Pregnant Woman. Inside. So my other recommendation is Inside, nice. which deals with, which I think I recommended for Babadook, maybe. I don't, that was so long ago. I know, ago. so long ago. Uh, but it has to do with kind of um, a person being left without their family, um, their family being killed and then like dealing with that grief, which is, a, it's a parallel with this movie. So two for the price of one, peeps. Yeah, and that movie Congrats. is gory as all get out. Yes, that's the only thing. I think that movie would get a five- from me. Oh yeah, it would have to. Definitely. If nothing else does. And it's it's so good in that sense, like oh, just beautiful. I'm glad you showed me that. I know that was like a really that was a really random find for you. Yeah, I I mean, it's a French extremist film that I'd kind of been looking for for a while. Mm -hmm. Um it's one that's not as popular as some of the other ones like Martyrs or High Tension, which I'm I still need to catch up on Martyrs. But um yeah, it's like a kind of a, not a second string, it's probably still first string, but it's like not the one that people talk about the most, mm -hmm. and it's so good. It's a beautiful movie. Yeah, it's really cool. But yeah, um, anyway, 
let's talk about the clues next week in our continuing efforts to freak out shannon we're going to japan because who better to craft really really intense scares with almost no plot at all than takashi shimizu because we're watching juan the grudge um it's the japanese movie that the grudge is based off of oh cool i haven't seen any of the grudges yeah no, I, this haven't, I haven't held a grudge yet which is good because the remake would kind of like dilute your experience because you'd already have like seen it so i'm glad we're just gonna dump you in and see how it goes good um that's gonna be an interesting one because mm-hmm. i have mixed feelings about the grudge but it's a very very scary movie okay good um and here's the clue for episode two weeks from now to fully freak out shannon our next flick will be set in seattle and no angelina jolie is not in this one so that's our clue yay if you have a guess to that clue if you want to contact us about the descent which i hope you have seen because one of the best horror movies of the 2000s uh you can find us on twitter at scream 101 pod on facebook at scream 101 podcast uh contact us via email at scream 101 podcast at gmail.com find us on itunes subscribe rate and review us uh just tell us you're out there we want to know everyone please come say hi on Twitter or on iTunes, especially on iTunes, because we'd appreciate five stars because we watched a five-star movie this time. First time in a while. Yep. Uh, who will be playing us out? All who, right. Who, who will be playing us out? And to decompress from this high-octane episode, we will be playing you out with All Around the World by David O'Brien, which is the song that plays during the blooper reel of The Descent. I'm so glad. All I'm right. I'm so glad. So, Brennan, you made a wonderful discovery this week. You found out that my dad made a a Twitter account. Oh, yeah. Hi. My dad made a Twitter account just to follow, well, not only to follow us, but he follows us. Thank you, Ed Chalakian, for following us on Twitter. Love you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.